We'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for May 15th, 2011. And um, we're going to shift gears here. We're going to... Next article is, as it was in the days of Noah, or now, gays are coming out in record numbers in Christian universities. Yeah, you heard me. They're, gays are coming out of numbers. And these, these wonderful stalwart, right down the line, hellfire and brimstone preaching Christian universities. Battles for acceptance by gay and lesbian students have erupted in places that, that expect it the least. The scores of Bible colleges and evangelical Christian universities that in their founding beliefs see homosexuality as a sin. Decades after the gay rights movement swept the country's secular schools, more gays and lesbians at Christian colleges are starting to come out of the closet, demanding a right to proclaim their identities and form campus clubs, and rejecting suggestions to seek help in suppressing homosexual desires. No, 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 we don't want any of that. The thing that would amaze me is why, if you were a homosexual, would you even want to go to anything that had a Christian veneer on it? But the church has become so lukewarm, it's not really a a repulsion to them anymore. Now they're coming out, and they're actually going to start overtaking these places. Because unless you fight sin, it will tend to overtake you. It will tend to overtake whatever it permeate, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. That's what Satan is trying to do through this particular movement. Many of the newly assertive students grew up as Christians and developed a sense of their sexual identities only after starting college. And after years of inner torment, quote, inner torment, they spring from a new generation of evangelical youth that overall holds a far less harsh views of homosexuality than does its elders. You know, it really doesn't matter what views we hold of homosexuality. That's irrelevant. Everybody's got an opinion but your opinions mean nothing compared to the Word of God. If your opinion doesn't line up with the Word of God, then you have the wrong opinion. Facing vague prohibitions against homosexual behavior, many students worry about what steps, like holding hands with a gay partner, or posting a photograph on a gay website, if that could jeopardize their scholarships, or risk expulsion. Can you imagine giving a homosexual or bisexual, a a scholarship to a Christian college? I mean, this, I'm sure, really makes God really happy. All of this, you know. He's overflowing with joy about this. Obviously, I'm speaking sarcastically, but it's just unbelievable. It's like an unstoppable force meeting an immovable object, said Adam R. Short, a freshman engineering student at Baylor University, who is openly gay and has fought without success for campus recognition of a club to discuss sexuality and fight homophobia. A few more liberal religious colleges like Belmont University in Nashville, which has Baptist origins, have reluctantly allowed the formation of gay student groups. In Belmont's case, after years of heated debate, and soon after a university had forced a lesbian soccer coach to resign. How dare they? What is this world coming to when when a Christian college forces a lesbian soccer coach to resign? You know? Well, you know what? Let's see what the Bible has to say about this whole subject. You know, and let's let's see what the anvil of truth has to say about this particular little topic. Romans 1, 26-28 says, For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. It's kind of like 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 
you know. It, it's kind of the same um, same frame of thought there, you know. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. Well, in this in this case, for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. That's how God feels about homosexuality, bisexuality, transsexuality, whatever perversion you're into in regard to that. And then it goes on to say, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Why would it say against nature? Because a woman being with a woman, you can't, does, nothing good comes out of it. You can't procreate or make a baby, which is, you know, the primary reason for sexual intercourse within a marriage. I mean, as far as from a procreative standpoint. It's against nature. And so is, would oral sex be considered against nature in that same regard? Why? Because it serves no function. It's a perversion of the sexual act. And I've done whole studies on this. Biblical prohibition, biblical sexual prohibitions. And what was widely known up until, or widely taught up until the last, I don't know, 70, 60, 70 years regarding oral sex, was considered sodomy. It was a crime against nature. It was unnatural. It was well known, but now it's not taught. And again, I think it's a big reason why the Bible says, my children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So, biblical sexual prohibitions, you go up to contendingfortruth.com, just key in a couple of those words and you should be able to find it. There's also other websites on the right side of contendingfortruth.com that also um, have the teachings listed. And likewise also their men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly. Yeah, and that's putting it real nicely, unseemly. I mean, it. you know, I just don't understand it, but why a guy wants to be with another guy. But in receiving in themselves the recompense of their heir, which was meat. That word meat means fitting. It was proper, it was fitting. They, this recompense of error was fitting for them to receive. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, well, the last thing you're going to want to do is think a lot about God in the Bible if you're in this type of uh, lifestyle. God, what did God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And again, convenient in this context means proper, fitting, or apt. A reprobate mind. Who knowing, and then jumping to verse 32, it says, Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. That's how God feels about it. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. See, they're always trying to recruit. Because the homosexuals, I mean, you know, that's the only way they can really expand their numbers. I mean, unless they have some kind of gay couple where they adopt a kid or something and they can brainwash the kid. Uh, beyond that, the only way that they can increase their numbers is to recruit. And remember, it's it's a spiritual battle. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of wickedness and these types of things. Okay, so it's a spiritual battle. It's 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 pure pretty much close to demon possession, I would have to say. And they want to infest other people with these demons so that they'll become of the same mindset as them. Misery loves company. See, they not only do the same, but they have pleasure in them that do them. The more people that's 
doing it around them, the more they feel better about their behavior. Because other people are doing it. Well, Leviticus, I understand this is Old Testament, and I'm not telling people that we need to uh, go out and do this, but during the Old Testament, uh, Leviticus 20.13 says, If a man also lie with mankind, as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination, they shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. That was the punishment. Death. It was a death sentence. Death and hell. Now, why would you? Why would you say if you say to ask God? Why would you want to put them to death? Is it really that bad? Is it really causing that much of a ruckus? You know, is is it really that big of a deal, God? Well, here God explains to you why they had to be put to death in Leviticus eighteen twenty two through thirty. It says, "Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind; it is an abomination." Neither shall thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Bestiality. Uh, so he's saying you don't lie with mankind. Um, you know, it, it's, it's an abomination. Uh, neither shall any woman stand before beast to lie down thereto. You got to be seriously demon possessed to be going there. I mean, uh, anyway. He goes on to say, it is confusion. Yeah. Then, he, then the word of God says, defile not ye yourselves in any of these things. In other words, when you do these things, you will defile yourself. For in all of these, the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. And the land is defiled. See, it's not only you that are being defiled, but the land becomes defiled. It literally affects the land. Therefore, I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it. God visits the sin in the land that's been defiled. He has to judge that sin. When this is going on. At some point, he will say, okay. It's like when um, the blood of Abel literally cried out from the land. And God even said that you know, to Cain. He says, the blood of your... Innocent brother crieth out. That's what happens. It defiles the land. The iniquity does. And the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. Well, if God is the same today, yesterday, and forever, then this is what we have come into America. Eventually, at some point, the land is going to vomit out her inhabitants. For the most part. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation. In other words, it wasn't it wasn't okay for you, just you to not be doing it. There better not be people in your nation that are doing this either, because that's going to defile the land. Even if you're keeping yourself clean, if you're within a nation like that, then it's going to defile the land. And then it goes on to say, nor any stranger that sojourneth among you. Not even a stranger passing through. If he had that propensity, were they permitted to keep that, you know, that stranger was not permitted to do that. For, for all these abominations have the men of the land done which were before you. And the land is defiled. And again, he goes on to reiterate that the land is defiled. That the land not spew you out also. It's a dynamic in scripture that has to happen if this 
is not repented of and corrected. I believe mass corporate repentance and prayer, you know, could possibly reverse this trend. But do you see that happening in America? I don't think so. I'm just using America because that's where I live. I'm not saying this dynamic isn't going on in other parts of the world either. I mean, the abortion issue alone, there's been way more many abortions committed in other nations than... But a lot of those abortions were committed because of us. Because we were the ones that sent Planned Parenthood there. There's been over a billion aborted babies in the last uh, 80-some years. According to statistics I saw, official statistics that I saw, that I reported on quite a while back when I did a, uh, a report on abortion. Uh, I also, that was the... Um, Abortion, I related it to witchcraft and how many witches are attracted to the abortion industry because they view them as sacrifices to either Lilith, Lilith, Artemis, Moloch, Chemosh. There's other deities as well. They literally view them as holy ritual child sacrifice. That's how the occultists view abortion. So that's even worse of a dynamic because now you're intermingling pure witchcraft. Most of the time, a woman will get an abortion because she's actually worshipping the God of self. Okay, and I'm not coming down, somebody's had one of those in the past, I'm not meaning to like re-condemn you, I'm saying, for the most part, people that are, you know, doing this unrepentantly and doing it, they're doing it for the God of self. Let's face it, self is really at the root of almost every sin. So going further, it says, uh, that the land spew not you out also when ye defile it, as it spewed out the nations that were before you. For whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them, shall be cut off from among the people. Therefore shall ye keep mine ordinance that ye commit not any one of these abominable customs which I which were committed before you, that ye defile not yourselves therein. I am the Lord your God. We're going to go over some more verses now. Um, this next article is Navy authorizes chaplains to perform same-sex marriages in Navy chapels. Just a wonderful bit of news. So, we've got the Navy now. They can perform same-sex marriages in Navy chapels. And a real hallmark moment there. Uh, the, the man that sent this to me says, Friends, this subject title sounds like we're getting closer to Luke 17. We're going to read that in a second. Remember to apply Second Chronicles 7.14 daily. And I, I, I do believe that this is more going to be on a more individualistic basis rather than a corporate basis uh, with the state that I see the church in. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. See, this is a this is a dynamic that I really believe if were applied on a mass repentance type of basis, God could heal this land. But it's not most likely going to happen on any kind of mass scale. So in other words, the sin's going to keep going on, it's probably going to keep increasing, and you're going to have some people that truly are want to get right with the Lord and truly do this on an individual basis. Um, going further, Luke 17, 20, uh, verse 26 through 30 reads, And as it was in the days of Noah, or Noah, 
So shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. You've heard me say this verse many, many times. Uh, in the next verse, they did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, and they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, of the Sodom and Gomorrah, of the you know, men burning after men, homosexual uh, city that Sodom and Gomorrah had become, the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. That's what God thinks about that type of lifestyle. And he hasn't changed. Even thus shall it be in the day the Son of Man is revealed. So, as it was in the days of Lot, we're also supposed to look for that. Well, obviously what was going on in Lot's day. Mass homosexuality, most likely bi, trans, who knows. And that's the day and time we're living in. And now they're performing same-sex marriages in Navy chapels. Uh, You know, gays... Gays, transgender, lesbians coming out in Christian colleges and seeking, you know, clubs and special recognition and rights and, you know, all these things. It's just sickening. Now, relating to this verse, Jude 1 6 says, And the angels which kept not their first estate, which would be the days of Noah, in, 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 the, in the very, very. Uh, Luke 17 that I just read, the angels which kept not their first estate, meaning their first abode or home, which was essentially heaven, but left their own habitation. He, meaning God, hath reserved an everlasting change under darkness, under the judgment of this great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah, hmm, now isn't that funny? It talks about in Luke 17, as it was in the days of Noah, what happened in the days of Noah? They Fallen angels saw the daughters of men that they were fair. They took them wives, all that they they chose. And in those days they procreated and had giants, essentially, which were the mighty men of old, the men of renown, the men of Greek mythology and these types of things. And the result of that was the earth became so defiled that God had to destroy it with a flood. Save eight people because the the thoughts of man's mind were only evil continually, according to the Bible. And and the Bible Bible says that God repented God that he'd even... Made man. It it got that bad. And here we have the same parallel being drawn in Luke 17 where it says, as it was in the days of Noah, fallen angels falling down, procreating with women, which they never should have done. They went after strange flesh. Angels aren't meant to, to procreate with human women. As it was in the days of Lot, where men are not supposed to be with men and women aren't supposed to be with women. It's going after strange flesh. It's a crime against nature. It's an abomination. They're compared in the same exact sense here. In Luke 17 and in Jude 1. Let me just read this again. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, hath he reserved, and after everlasting chains, under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. And then the next verse. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities about them, in like manner giving themselves over to fornication, and going after strange flesh. Homosexuality. going out. See, for the angels, they were going after strange flesh. They were going after women. The men burning after men in Sodom and Gomorrah, that was the same thing in God's eyes, essentially, 
They're going after strange flesh. It's a crime against nature. And they are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So see, that's what God thinks about homosexuality and bisexuality and all that other garbage. Why aren't these Christian universities preaching these verses? Well, they've probably got Bibles that are so watered down at this point. I mean, the NIV had, had a homosexual translator on the translation committee, Virginia Mullencott. Gaia-worshipping, New Age lesbian on the NIV, New International Version Translation Committee. NIV. Zondervan holds the rights. Zondervan's owned by HarperCollins. HarperCollins actually publishes gay sex manuals and the Satanic Bible. HarperCollins, owned by Rupert Murdoch, who's one of the most wicked men that have ever lived, pornographer, mass media mogul. I've heard reporters describe him when he enters the room. They said that the smoke of Satan hath entered the room. Reporters describe him that way. He's that evil. And that who, that's who owns the rights, essentially, to the NIV. And that's just one thing I could report on about that. The NIV, with over 64,000 words less than the KJV, which is almost 10% of the total text. Whole verses missing. And that's just one. There, there, there's perversions now that are way worse than that. So, do you see the parallel there between Luke 17 and Jude ver, uh, chapter 1? Isn't that interesting? As in the days of Noah, as in the days of Lot. Hmm. Angels which kept not their first estate. And then even as Sodom and Gomorrah, going after strange flesh. And it's a confirmation to the whole thing of this sons of Seth garbage that's taught in modern day seminaries that, oh, these were just good, the sons of Seth were good men in Genesis 6. If they were such good men, these sons of Seth that went into the daughters of men, why did it reap such a wicked, wicked, evil race of giants? How could men and women be together reap a race of wicked, evil giants? How does that happen? They were, they were good though, they were. No, that phrase, the sons of God, when they saw the daughters of men, do you realize in the New Testament that's only used five times? Two times, I believe, in Genesis 6, and three times in Job. Every single time in Job, when you cross-reference, when that phrase in the Old Testament Hebrew was used, it is always in relation to angels. Angels. Very clear. Just read, do a keyword search on Blue Letter Bible for sons of God in the Old Testament. Now, sons of God in the New Testament can actually mean a believer. But in the Old Testament, if you compare Scripture with Scripture, in the Old Testament Hebrew, not in the New Testament Greek, that phrase is only used in reference to angels. And here it's confirmed right here in Jude 1.6. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. And then it gives us a clue to what they did in the next verse. Comparing them to Sodom and Gomorrah, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about, about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, which is what the angels did, and going after strange flesh. In God's eyes, what the angels did and what they did in Sodom and Gomorrah was the same thing. It was going after strange flesh. Flesh they had no right to be with. I don't think I've ever emphasized that point enough in any teaching I've ever done. I wanted to throw that in for your own edification. Um... Here's the actual main article here. Navy authorizes chaplains to perform same-sex marriages in Navy Chapel. 
Anticipating the elimination of the military ban on homosexuality, the Office of Chief of Navy Captains has decided that same-sex couples in the Navy will be able to get married in Navy chapels and that Navy chaplains will be allowed to perform the ceremonies if the homosexual marriage is legal in the state where the unions are to be performed. The advisory came in the form of an April 13th memo issued to all chaplains in which the Chief of the Navy Chaplains, Admiral Michael Tidd, said the chaplain corps was revising its Tier 1 training manuals, which had previously indicated that same-sex marriages are not authorized on federal property. Instead, Tid called for chaplains to comply with the service-wide efforts underway to be more accepting of homosexual and same-sex marriages as the end of the military policy on homosexuality nears. Citing, quote, additional legal review by Navy attorneys, the Admiral said the Navy has concluded that, generally speaking, Base facility use is sexual orientation neutral. If the base is located in a state where same-sex marriage is legal, then the base facilities may be used to celebrate the gay marriage. The Admiral's Directive states. The Admiral's memo also gives chaplains permission to marry homosexual couples, but would not force them to perform the ceremonies. Yeah, I wonder how long that will be in effect. Probably for about two weeks. It, it, it I I got another article but I couldn't confirm it through Steve Quayle saying that a guy got booted from, I believe, the Navy for or, uh, praying in the name of Jesus Christ, that you could pray in any pagan deity's name, but he actually got booted. Now, I couldn't confirm it. That's the problem. So I didn't put it in this, but it's you're just going to see an escalation is the point I'm trying to make of, of this insanity. Um, Representative Todd Aiken of Missouri a member of the House Armed Services Committee, is concerned that in its haste to hustle in homosexuality, the Navy may be violating federal law and the Defense of Marriage Act, or DOMA. Offering up federal facilities and federal employees for same-sex marriages violates DOMA, which is still the law of the land and is bound to the duties of our military, including chaplains. The administration in various states may be operating as if DOMA doesn't exist, but the Navy and Marine Corps, all in the armed services, are sworn to obey the law, which is this new this new instruction violates. Uh, Tom McCluskey, senior vice president of the government relations at the Family Research Council, agreed that the Navy is totally ignoring DOMA, part of which defines marriage for federal government purposes as being between one man and one woman. Um, he said conversations had warned months ago that the push to repeal the military ban on homosexuality would lead to introduce same-sex marriages, but were dismissed at the time. This is what we thought was going to happen, and unfortunately it is now happening. Um, unfortunately, the military is getting out in front on this issue. When you have a president who doesn't believe the Defense of Marriage Act is a law he needs to follow, it's no surprise that the military would follow his lead. I saw a video from that Pastor Manning guy the other day, totally another one exposing this whole Osama Bin Laden thing. And he comes right out and says Obama is bisexual. And I mean, I've heard that on many, many, many occasions and seen a lot of things that I haven't really reported on. But for a lot of people that are in the know, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion Particularly him getting in, and why would that surprise us any? As wicked as the guy is, you know. I could probably do a whole study on that. But 
I don't want to waste a lot of time. I think we all know how evil Obama is at this point, and there's not a whole lot you want to put past him. Most, For the most part, people that are involved in the high-level occult societies, they're all either homosexual or bisexual. Because, see, in order to get into the highest echelons of, well, the occult or the Illuminati and these types of things, you have to participate in these uh, bisexual, homosexual types of things uh, during a lot of these occultic ceremonies. Partly because you become much more defiled when you do these things. There's, there's demons of a higher power and a higher order. And also, too, if you ever get out of line, they've got a lot of this stuff all recorded and they can frame you, which has happened to a lot of politicians. They get a little bit out of line and you'll see, oh, you know, this guy was solicited a page or whatever, and this guy was in a bathroom tapping his foot, this congressman or governor or whatever, and trying to get a homosexual liaison or whatever. And these things come out, and I think these are guys, particularly men, that have gotten out of line with the Illuminati, and they're being punished. And it sends a message to everybody else in the government, which are like puppets on a string. They didn't get there... um, because they were truly elected in. The voting process in this country has been rigged for a long time. Particularly at the upper echelons. I'm not talking about maybe local government so much. But in the upper echelon government, you know, just go do black box um, voting.com. One of them is against it, one of them is for it. But the, the evidence is there. The, the, dec- the documentary HBO did on, on the voting fraud... VoteScam.com. I mean, if you start looking at the research on that, the way that they can rig these voting machines, particularly the electronic ones, it's such a joke. It's such a joke uh, regarding how easy it is for them to rig these things. This was an article, this next one, I received this week from a man, a listener. He was a little bit vague in describing this, but I, I went and did some research and I did find the article I think that he was in reference to. Um, it was originally through Last Trump and Ministries I heard about this, and then I went and actually found the original. Um, I, I had no idea about this either. Okay, and this is entitled, Biotech Company Using Aborted Fetal Cell Lines to Test Food Flavor Enhancers. This is from One More Soul. Is the actual website. It's from Largo, Florida. Children of God for Life is calling for a public boycott of major food companies partnering with Sonomix, a biotech company that produces artificial flavor enhancers using aborted fetal cell lines to test their products. I mean, it's just like when they use the aborted fetal cell lines to grow the vaccines off of them. Like the MMR vaccine and the Verivax vaccine and chickenpox one and all those 13 I... I listed, it was either last week's study, the one before that, on the PDF, gave you a listing of all of them. See, they want to try to incorporate aborted fetal cell lines. They want to try to use aborted babies and try to incorporate that into as many technological things as they can, all in the name of science. Supposedly they'll have some good reason. Why? Because they know, Satan knows, that these are probably the most cursed things you could get either get injected into your body or consume. So he's trying to defile humanity. He's trying to 
destroy you for lack of knowledge. And that's why I have this ministry. To try to inform you and keep you up to date with all the satanic garbage that is going on so that you're not affected by these things, so that you are not ignorant of Satan's devices, lest he get an advantage of you. Um, So going further, in 2010, the pro-life organization wrote to Cenemix CEO Kent Snyder, pointing out that moral options for testing their food additives could and should be used. But when Cenemix ignored their letter, they wrote to the companies Cenemix listed on their website as collaborators warning them of public backlash and threaten, in a threatened boycott. Food giants PepsiCo, who makes Pepsi and a lot of other products, Kraft Foods, Campbell's Soup Company, Soleil, and Nestle of the Nestle chocolate fame are the primary targets of the boycott. You have to understand, any big, large food company, or any large company in general, most of them have been sold out in one way, shape, or form to get to where they're at. Their collaborators provided Cenemix research and development funding plus royalties on sales of products using their flavor ingredients. Mm. What they don't tell the public is that they use they are using HEK-293, human embryonic kidney cells taken from an electively aborted baby to produce those receptors. Stated Debbie Vinage, the Director General for Children of God for Life, a pro-life watchdog group that has monitored the use of aborted fetal material in medical and consumer products for years. Now that's a noble endeavor there. Here is their patent, if you want to read it. Read the abstract. They give you the whole patent. They could, they, the, she goes on to say they could have easily chosen animal, insect, or other morally obtained human cells, expressing the G protein for taste receptors, she added. But no, they had to use an aborted baby. Just like these vaccines that are cultured from aborted fetal cell lines. It's satanic. They're trying to defile you. Satan is. They could have, um, in writing to their collaborators that took three letters before Nestle, finally admitted the truth about their relationship with Cenemix, noting the cell line was, quote, well-established in scientific research, as though that is a justification. So, I mean, if I was you, I'd go out of your way to never, ever buy anything Nestle again. Um, Going further... Uh, both PepsiCo and Campbell's Soup also responded. Shockingly, PepsiCo wrote, quote, We hope you are reassured to learn that our collaboration with Cenemix is strictly limited to creating a lower-calorie, great-tasting beverage for consumers. This will help us achieve our commitment to reduce added sugar per serving by 25% in key brands and in key markets over the next decade and ultimately help people to live healthier lives. No, it's not. You're going to be cursed you're going to bring a curse on yourself if you eat these foods that are derived from this these products. I believe that. In some way, shape, or form, it's not good. It's From a spiritual standpoint, it's not good. At bare minimum. So, PepsiCo, these devils have the audacity to justify this. So, it's, it's okay to use an aborted baby to 
to do this type of research with because we're going to be able to to uh, reduce our added sugar per serving twenty five percent. And these are the very companies that the New World Order owns, lock, stock, and barrel, that are bent on destroying you. Oh yeah, I'm going to go out and have a can of Diet Pepsi with my NutraSweet laden. I don't know if they're using Splenda now. And my nice aluminum leaching can with fluoridated and chlorate, chlorinated water. Yummy yum. <laughs> Death in a can. Cancer in a can. Pretty much. And yet they're co- really concerned about reducing added sugar per serving by 25% in key markets over the next decade to ultimately help people live healthier lives. Lies and garbage. The pit of hell. They don't care about you living a healthier life. They want you addicted to their products. These are the same the, the same corporate conglomerates or the same ones that are going to be hiding in these bunkers and begging the rocks to fall on them when the Lord when the Lamb of God makes his appearance. They're concerned about you dying. That's what they want. They want you dead. They're the same people. If enough people voice their outrage and intend to boycott these consumer products, it may convince Seminix to change their methods. Oh, hit them where it hurts, in the pocketbook. You know, that's, that's, the, that's the only thing they'll listen to. The love of money is the root of all evil. She noted, otherwise we will be buying Coca-Cola, Lipton soups, and Hershey products. I'm sure they've got their own list of baggage. But, you know, I understand the point, though. Um, and then it gives you a link here you can click on for the mailing address of Seminix and other uh, and the food companies. Update. Uh, within hours of our press release, Children of God of Life received notice from the Campbell Soup Company that they have severed ties with Seminix. Stated Julie Mandel Sloves, Senior Manager of Nutrition and Wellness Communications at the Campbell Soup Company, quote, we are no longer partnership with Seminix. This fact was discussed during Seminix conference call and its investors earlier this month. Well, good. But they're the ones that I had reported in a previous study not too long ago, making halal, Islamic compliant, Islamic uh, branded soups. Halal meaning blessed essentially by Allah. To a certain extent. That's what that means. Halal slaughtered beef has to have an Islamic guy doing the slaughtering and saying a quick prayer every time the beef has been slaughtered. Oh good, I can get my nice Muslim cursed meat. The Bible says not to, not to eat meat offered to idols. Or food. Okay, I'm not saying it would make you unsaved. But there is a spiritual dynamic that takes place when you eat food that is defiled. Just like we're not supposed to eat or drink blood. And that was a perpetual covenant. We're not supposed to do that. The life of the body is in the blood. We're not not supposed to be like a vampire. We're not supposed to drink or eat blood. In the meat. And I've done a whole study on that. It's called the Wisdom of the Levitical Dietary Guidelines. And I'm not saying that you know we're bound by under the law, but there is wisdom in the Levitical dietary guidelines. And one of the main things, if you were just going to do one thing, you would want to avoid products with blood in them. You don't want to consume that. And that's why rare meat and certain types of sausages and, and these types of things, there's, there's other ways blood's hidden. 
There's things you can do to purge the meat of blood in cooking. And again, you could you could find that teaching on um, contendingfortruth.com or the other websites listed on the right side, Look, the Wisdom of Levitical Dietary Guidelines, and um, it'll go over that with you. So anyway, let's go further. Down to my favorite subject of the night. I think this is the last one we're going to talk about. Uh, I entitled it A Slippery Slope Gospel Reality Shows Move Over MTV Cribs. There's a new reprobate sheriff in town called Gospel Cribs. Ben Tankers, Gospel Cribs. I never even heard of this guy. I'm going to play you some some, uh, excerpts from this show. I could not believe this. But then again, I shouldn't be surprised anymore. Ben and Jewel Tankard's new reality series, Gospel Cribs. Now, if you don't know what a crib is, it's not like some of the babies in. It's your, it's a, it's the fancy, hip in way of talking about your house, your your crib. I'm sorry, I'm not going to call it my crib, or I'm not. You're never going to hear me say it's my digs either. I just don't like that word, digs, cribs. It's your house. I don't know. It's your home, your habitation, whatever. Anyway. This the source link uh, for this for this next paragraph I'm reading you. The source link is gospelmusicfever.blogspot.com. Surely you've seen at least one episode of MTV Cribs. Well, any good Christian should be watching that, shouldn't they? And come on, if you're from a prior generation, you probably even remember Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Well, how about this one for the Lord's people? Ben Tankard's Gospel Cribs. Ben Tankard is recognized as the best-selling gospel jazz instrumentalist in the world. He's also the music producer who is said to have discovered Yolanda Adams. Now, he and his wife, Jewel, are behind a new reality series. According to the Gospel Cribs Facebook page, Christian artists, actors, pro athletes, and businessmen are going to be showcasing their lavish homes, showing that God's people can live large too. I will definitely, uh, definitely bolo, which means be on the lookout for this show in this fall season lineup. It's coming this fall, everyone. So hold on to your hats. Do you do you think any of the televangelists will be so gracious as to invite the um, public scrutiny into their most likely not so humble abodes? In other words, the televangelists are—they're saying you know they won't do this, but. These other people who say that they're born-again Christians, well, they can do this. They can show you how to live large. And then it ends. I love this last sentence. I love this. Because it so describes me. I am sure gospel cribs and some of these Christian lifestyles, these are Christian lifestyles now, everyone, are going to create quite a buzz, especially among the Pharisees. I love it. That's me, a Pharisee. Yep. Pharisee. That's me. Why? Because I want to follow the Bible? Yes, that's exactly why. How dare you want to follow the Bible? Don't you know we have a liberty in Christ? Yeah, but the Bible says use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh. We're not supposed to sin that grace may be abound. doesn't mean we walk around in sinless perfection. The Bible says if we say we have no sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. In other words, if we think we're walking around in sinless perfection, we're basically a liar. 
Okay, so you don't want to be a hypocrite and be holier than thou. I mean, Paul said, oh, what a wretch of a man that I am. Who should deliver me from the body of this death? The things that I shouldn't do, that I do. And the things I should do, that I don't do. Okay, but that doesn't, it's not like that gives us an excuse to go around and be a reprobate. So I'm going to play a couple clips here of this wonderful new series that um, is coming this fall. And I'm sure it will it will warm your heart as it did mine. I'm going to go ahead and load this up now. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and roll this. Now, I'm going to be stopping because you, you, you'll be able to watch the video if you go online and watch this. It's only, this first video is only 2 minutes and 28 seconds. And I'm only going to be playing a portion of the second one. Um, I don't want to get, you know, nauseated on, on, on audio and then have to, you know, go throw up somewhere. So I just wanted to play kind of brief clips of this. And um, this is, I'm going to be stopping along the way to kind of narrate because you can't see what I'm seeing. So here it goes. Okay, it, it starts out by saying, Ben Tankard, from poverty to palace, the gospel jazz dream. Ben Tankard, world-class musician, the godfather of gospel jazz, Ben Tankard, showing his house. Ben Tankard wins the 2010 Stellar Award, gospel music's highest honor. Um, presented to Ben Tankard, musician, commemorate RIA certified gold sales of more than... 500,000 copies of the Verity EMI Gospel Word Cassette and CD Wow Gospel of 2003. I mean, this guy blows his own horn like I don't think I have ever seen anyone in my life do who would name the name of Christ. I mean, it, it is so in your face. This guy is so full of pride and is so proud of the fact that he's full of pride and all of his accolades and all of his awards. I mean, it is it is just, you can't escape it. I could barely um, stop the, the video in time to read all the stuff that's flashing across the screen about this guy. This self-aggrandizement. Okay, it's showing all of his gold and platinum records on his walls and... Um, the fact that uh, he was also a pro basketball player at one time early in his career. And the guy's done it all. He's, he's a regular renaissance man. Showing his lavish house. And showing his stellar, stellar award. This highest award in gospel music. And his lavish house. All his gold records. His palatial dining room is... Piano room, his little demonic statues everywhere. His pool room, his real fancy car, and his fancy fancy truck. He's got about a hundred, at least a hundred thousand dollar international type of truck. It's not your standard. It's called the Tankard Palace. And then this is Ben's childhood home. This this ramshack shack in Chattahoochee, Florida, whatever. And he's come from there to here, and, and you know, he wants to let everybody know. He played for the Blazers. Ben Tankard, six foot six guard, uh, number twenty four. He was injured and waived in nineteen eighty three, nineteen eighty four. He played in the NBA um, for a very brief time. He's also an NBA commentator. I don't know if he owns part of the Memphis Grizzlies. I don't know. He seems to have a lot to do with them. Jewel Tanker, we're about to go to Memphis to go see the NBA game. 
So her husband works for player development, this Ben Tankard, and this is his wife, Jewel, and I believe, I hope it's his two daughters, they're in the back of their private plane, I don't know if it's a jet, but it's a private plane, Ben Tankard's also an airplane pilot, he's, he's driving his plane, him and his, him and his wife and women are living large, they're, they're living the, uh, you know, the, you know, the American dream, it's not, you know, anything's real biblical, they're all dressed to the nines, they got their jewelry going, and the bling, and the, the whole nine yards, and they're they're getting ready for takeoff. Bringing inside green. This is all right, all right, all right. And then there's Big Ben. He's about to fly this plane out of here. Hallelujah. So they gave a little hallelujah before they they took off. I did, you know, they're they're right down the line there. Now shows everybody sleeping on the plane other than Ben, which is good because they would have crashed. So they say Grizzly's word. And, So Ben Tanger, he was he's bragging now, he's starting a movie. Uh Dreams, the movie. I so I never thought I'd you know, I'm all I mean this guy is so full of himself, I've never seen anything like it. Can you imagine Jesus Christ doing a similar video bragging about all of his accolades and accomplishments and, and every little tiny thing that that he ever accomplished on planet Earth? Can you imagine Jesus Christ doing something like this? Well I can't either. You know, but this is this is what he's doing. Oh, so he's in a Tyler Perry movie. Well, another devil I could do a whole teaching on Tyler Perry. Ben and Jewel Tankard on Today TV, and there's him with his little girly entourage. His I think his two daughters and his wife. They're all posing, and uh, uh, it's just just sickening. Here's Ben playing the piano. Okay, so TBN Worldwide Performance. And then we're going to read more of Ben's accomplishments. All-time best-selling gospel jazz artist producer. 13 stellar awards. 15 gold and 16 platinum albums. 8 Dove nominations. 3 Grammy nominations. Wow. I mean, this, this guy is... He's been busy. He's done it all. That's him playing the piano in front of a big audience. BenTanker.org. Ben Tanker, world-class physician. Or musician, sorry. So Ben Tanker's Gospel Cribs coming soon. So we're gonna um, we're gonna go ahead and look at this Ben Tanker Gospel Crib. Now, one of them, I'm not gonna play this one, it's the Dave and Tamilla Gospel Cribs, and, and one of his buddies got a truck like he did, one of these internationals. I mean, they, these things got to be way over 100 grand. And they're bragging, and, and, and he said, yeah, when I saw yours, I had to get mine. And and it, they went inside and had all this stereo and computer stuff built in the dash. I mean, just, I mean, you talk about wasting money. You're talking about, I look at that and think, wow, how much good could that do, like for missionaries, or orphans, or widows, or you know, that type of thing. And these guys just plow it right back into their um, their own lives, their own lifestyles, you know. And, and they think that they're entitled to it. They, I deserve this. I earned this. I'm entitled to this. Um, now, so we're going to play this next clip from 32 seconds to 204 because it's, you know, 
I, I don't really want to go much further than that. Ben Tankard's Gospel Cribs. Hey, this is my favorite room in the house. The great room. Where great things happen. Yes. Okay, so so they're in their house now. They're in Ben Tankard's house with his wife, Jewel. And, and he says, this is my favorite room. There's a two-story palatial mansion they live in. And she said, this is the great room where great things happen. And then and then it goes on. See, and Ben Tankard points to his own wall and says, look at all these gold and platinum albums. I mean... This guy, the, the Bible talks about, let not, don't praise yourself, let another man praise you, you know. Well, this guy, I don't know if he's ever read the Bible, supposedly he's this great man of God or whatever, but everything I've seen from him is totally anti-biblical, totally a slap in the face to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's as though he has no spiritual discernment whatsoever. It's like if you were trying to make a video that would most anger Jesus Christ, I think this would be right up there. Now this is the dining room. I love the dining room because the table is so fit for a king. It's a lot of entertaining. So she loves the dining room because it's so fit for a king. I mean, this this place they live, this is like a, a palatial mansion. Now, this is a giant's kitchen. See, I'm a big guy, and uh, I like big things. Big house, all ceilings, all white people, white butterscotch, In my father's house are many mansions. So he had the audacity to say, in my father's house are many mansions. He equates his mansion with what he thinks he's going to, uh, uh, or I guess he's equating with something that was talked about heavenly with something that he's got now on earth. Well, I think that's the closest that Ben's ever going to get to a mansion. And we're going to look at the Bible verses regarding this particular subject next. Join us as we profile the gospel creators of gospel recording artists and actors, professional athletes, and coaches, Proverbs 31 women, and kingdom millionaires. Okay, Proverbs 31 women and kingdom millionaires. Can you believe he just went there? Proverbs 31 women? He needs to read what Proverbs 31 says about the wife. His trophy wife that he's got is not no Proverbs 31 woman. If she was, she would not allow what was going on. I mean, I understand that that the man's supposed to be the head, but she wouldn't participate openly. She's a willing participant. Her and her daughters are willingly participating in this particular lifestyle. And they're loving every second of it. And kingdom millionaires. Yeah, I see a lot of that in the Bible. We're going to look at that. We're going to look at what the Bible says. Not my opinion, but we're going to look at what the Bible says about this whole whole subject here when we get done with this vile um, clip here. It's, there's not too much left, thank God. coming soon. We're the kind of people that we are living our dream, but we want everybody else around us to live their dream. I'm the one to get up and say, guess what? I made it. Mm-hmm. And you can too. So we, so in other words, he made it. And we can too. And in fact, if we haven't made it, well then something's wrong. See, that's the message that you hear in a lot of these prosperity preacher um, uh, people that are going out there really, really preaching this prosperity gospel. If you're not rich like me, if you're not driving a Bentley or a Rolls Royce, or you're not driving in your in, in, a, in a, a plane, 
or if you're not like Joyce Meyer and have like a $23,000 toilet in her house, or whoever you want to talk about, then there's something wrong with you. Because you must have some kind of abject sin in your life because you should be prosperous and blessed like me. Look at what God's done for me. Look at how I'm flaunting it and showing it off and putting it in your face. We'll, we'll see what the Bible has to say real soon. When they fly their private plane, award-winning gospel recording artist Ben Tankard and his wife, model and entrepreneur Jules Tankard know that not even the sky's the limit for what God and great faith can do in their lives. Not even sky's the limit for what God and great faith can do in their life. Now, I, I, if, you, if you applied that phrase in the right way, I would agree with it. You know, I am the Lord thy God is, you know, ask of me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. But this is not what we're talking about here. They have twisted the scriptures to meet, to suit their own lifestyle. And one look at their sprawling 14,000 square foot Memphis area estate sitting on five acres with a lake. 14,000 square foot estate. 14,000 square feet. I wouldn't want that abomination. I wouldn't want it. Do you know how hard that would be to even take care of? Shit, they probably got a full full um, uh, battalion of, of, of servants there to, to just even take care of that thing. And it's obvious that their blessings are overflowed. Oh, uh, it's obvious that their blessings are overflowed. So let's end on that note. That's about all I can handle of that. So let's see what the Bible has to say about this particular subject. Here's what I would preach to Ben Tankard. Here's what I would preach to him. I would just quote scripture. That's all I'm going to do is quote scripture. And, you know, he can try to twist and, and, and wiggle and do whatever, him and all his ilk, out of these types of scriptures. But the word of God is the word of God, and I'll make no apologies for it. So, Luke 6.24 says, But woe unto you that are rich, for you have received your consolation... Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. See old Big Ben Tankard there, I guarantee you most people that would meet him, they're going to speak well of him. Well, that guy, yeah, he's a Christian, he, he, uh... Look at him, he's prosperous, he's this, he's that, he, you know, he, he's, you know, he's, there's not, there's not a whole lot in that guy to offend the average person, most likely. But, in this life, he's received his consolation. And woe unto them that are full, they shall hunger, and woe unto you that laugh now, they shall mourn and weep. I mean, this guy's behavior is so I don't even know where to begin. And I know I could do probably every study. I could key on a different uh, heretic, I guess you'd say. Uh, just, just not enough hours in the day or in the week to try to key on all of the heresy that's going on out there. It's, just, it's impossible to cover it all. This is just one of the ones that kind of stuck out to me that I've seen recently. Proverbs 18.11 says, The rich man's wealth is his strong city, and as a high wall is his own conceit. See, 
this guy has that's his strong city, all his wealth, all these things that he surrounded himself. And it's a high wall is his conceit. And this this is one conceited man. I don't care what anybody would say to me. Somebody's come back to me, so oh, you don't know, I know what whatever. This guy's so full of himself. How could you blow your own horn like he I mean every single thing in that promo? It was every single accomplishment this guy has ever made. He jammed it into a two-minute promo. You're telling me he's not self-conceited and full of himself? And he is not his own God? You're telling me he doesn't worship the God of self? I don't believe it. I don't care what anybody would say to me. Actions speak louder than words. By their fruits ye shall know them. Matthew 19.23 through 26 says, And then Jesus said unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, and they said, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. See, it's, it's, it's possible to be rich and to still go to heaven. As long as the Holy Spirit is in control of that person. And they're being guided by the Spirit. Because the problem is, is rich men fall into all divers temptations and these types of things. The, the Bible talks about that. David was rich. He went to heaven. A lot of, um, you know, even the... The kings in the Old Testament, a lot of the good kings, they were they had all the money that they went to heaven. Okay, see, with God, all things are possible. But see, you have to be in subjection and submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. The problem is, is when you become rich, a rich man's wealth is his strong city. See, a rich man's wealth then replaces God. That's the temptation. Look what I've done. Look how successful you wouldn't. You, God is the one that put breath in your life from when you were a little baby in the womb. Or or actually, once you were out of the womb, you started breathing. God is the one that put life in your body. You You don't have anything to boast about apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke 12, verse 16 through 21. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. It reminds me of this guy. I'm sure he's pulled down his barns and built greater. I mean, as, as he got more successful, oh, this house ain't big enough. We gotta live large. I gotta get me a plane. I gotta get me one of these $100,000 trucks and this and that. Guaranteed, he's done this whole process. So, I will pull down my bards and build greater, and, I, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy, sh- thy soul shall be required of thee. Then, who shall, then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So, I mean, that's a warning. And he makes a great point. God makes a great point. You've never seen 
a hearse with a U-Haul behind it. You know what I mean? Even if even if you were able to take it all with you like the pharaohs and them tried to do, it wasn't theirs. As soon as they died, they plunged into hell. <laughs> all those things they put in the tombs with pharaohs didn't help them none in hell. I mean, you could take that U-Haul, take all your possessions, and take you to a real deep grave. And let's let's say let's say you got a lot of possessions. Let's say they bury you, you know, twenty feet down, and let's say you have a hundred foot pit around, and you dump all your stuff from the U-Haul into the pit with you, all over you in the casket. How's that going to help you? <laughs> Most of the time, it says, then whose shall those things be? Most of the time, your goods or whatever are going to go to someone else. You're not going to have them anymore. I mean, you're not going to have anything anymore. In this world, so, you know, these are just warnings. Luke 16, verse 19 through 25. There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. What was this, what was this an indicator of? It means that he lived to feed his flesh. His flesh was his God. Which is something we all battle, particularly if you live in America. But you, we're supposed to crucify our flesh. We're supposed to try to bring our flesh into subjection. That's not easy to do. Okay? But I look around, and I see the way the typical American lives. And the way, if you go to the grocery store, you see what people buy, you see what people order. Most of the time, people live off junk food, processed foods, um, soft drinks, cookies, cakes, whatever you want. And what are they doing? They're, 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 it's like they're feeding their flesh. Whatever their flesh says, I like, I'm going to give into it, and I'm just going to give it that. I'm going to have no self-discipline with my diet. And you see all these people with all these horrific health problems, and then they end up getting on medications. We're body, soul, and spirit. If Satan can destroy our body or make us feel physically sick because of what we voluntarily put in our body, I mean, if you put 50 octane fuel in your car, it's not going to run right. Bottom line, why why is our bodies any different? Well, Satan loves that all day long because, you know, you you put the wrong stuff in your body, it doesn't run right, you're not going to feel like doing a whole lot for God. You may not be physically capable of. You might shave 20, 30 years off your life. I think what we're going to start seeing, particularly with this generation coming up right now, I I hear from my daughter a lot of the, you know, kids that she's uh, reacting with or interacting with, and the, the, the foods that they eat, almost across the board, is pure processed junk food garbage. These kids nowadays, they, 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 you know, they drink all kind of caffeinated stuff. Their adrenals are burned out. They're full of candida and yeast because they're totally addicted to sweets. Real easy way to tell on that is, is if you're totally craving carbs all the time and if your tongue is white. If your tongue is white, that's candida. Okay? Totally full of candida. Sucks the energy out of you. Adrenals are burned out because they're, they're drinking so many caffeinated products. They got no energy unless they got some something caffeinated to get them going. And I'm not talking about a little bit of caffeine. I'm talking about a lot all the time. Eating total junk foods, they're eating calorie dense food, calorie dense processed fried trans fatty acids, you name it, chemical 
unhealthily processed and laden foods that are destroying them inside and out, that are providing no real nutritional, they're calorie-dense, nutritionally poor foods. They are being brought up and taught just from their dietary choices alone that the flesh is God. Feed the flesh whatever tastes good or, or, or um, drink it or eat it. And don't worry about the consequences. And I've seen, you know, children, you know, now, you know, kidney stones. And, 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 and it was, they did a study not too long ago where they found fatty streaks in the hearts of, of almost virtually all five-year-olds that they examined. That means the, the starting of arteriosclerosis or placking of the arteries, which is one of the main things that ultimately ends up killing most people via heart attacks. The arteries become so occluded with plaque that you end up having a heart attack or a piece of plaque gives way and you end up having a stroke. I really believe that this is totally part of the satanic gym. And then you have all the met, the, the, uh, the um, vaccinations. And then you have all of the garbage they're pumping into the water supply and into the air via the chemtrails. And, and uh, so many of the products you put on your body Gels, hairsprays, soaps, they're full of cancer-causing chemicals. It's all by design. You're going to see people dropping dead at much younger ages. I look at my parents alone, and I mean, my, my grandparents lived to be, both of them, into their 80s. The next generation after them, both my parents ended up living into their early 60s. There was a 20-year reduction from one generation to the other. What is the next generation? Well, that would be me, but I'm doing all kinds of stuff all the time to try to take care of my temple. I'm not saying that I go around and, and you know, I eat a, a steady diet of um, sprouts and mung beans. If I eat something that's not the, the correct thing, I will take, like, bentonite clay and or fiber to bind it up. Because, obviously, it's impossible to eat right all the time. You can't do it. But you can take things like bentonite clay, which essentially will bind up about anything in your body. It's also really good to detoxify the intestinal tract. It's really good for your skin. Any, any uh, children or whatever that are prone to acne, it's a, it's a bowel, whole body. It also gets rid of the radiation. The, all this radiation that we're being bombarded with now over Fukushima... It's really good for that, too. It's really good at getting radiation literally out of the body. And radiation, remember, radiation is cumulative. It accumulates in the body. And the bentonite clay is a great way. And if you are even exposed to it, you can actually make the clay into a paste and put it on your skin. It'll actually absorb it. Anyway, that's a whole other subject. But there's things that you can do to offset improper food choices. Now, it doesn't mean that you go around and, and you eat like garbage all the time and you take bentonite with every meal. Remember, bentonite will bind to everything. It'll bind the vitamins, the minerals as well. So it's not something you want to do every single meal. But that is good to know. You know, fiber is very important to, to cleanse the bowel and these types of things. People should be doing liver gallbladder detoxes. You know? Take the, B, take the B vitamin and choline. It will actually literally start to break down gallstones, which almost every person in America eating a standard diet has. 
Choline is very good to, to actually defat the liver and break down gallstones. And then there's all kind of liver detoxes you, you can do as well. You can go to a health food store. You know, what's your best liver detox? Just start slow on those types of things. You don't want to start real fast because your body will start dumping toxins. The best thing I know of to kill off candida is the mild silver protein. Um, you can go to my website, dr-johnson.com, and read about the mild silver protein. It's the most effective thing I've ever seen at killing candida in the body. But once you're done with it, you should always do some probiotics, which are the good floor that line the intestinal tract. You can find almost all the good probiotics at almost any health food store in the refrigerated section. You want to take them on an empty stomach. Those are just some things. Those are some minor things that if you implemented what I just said, could make a really big difference. Try to wean yourself off the caffeinated products. It's burning out your adrenal glands. You will start having immune system issues, allergy issues, all kinds of issues if you burn out your adrenal glands with caffeine or nicotine. Anything that's a stimulant does that to your adrenal glands. Every time you eat or drink uh, caffeine, you are withdrawing. It's like withdrawing from your bank, your bank account. And think of your bank account in your adrenals. It's like your adrenals are there, and they're the ones. There is what they are. What stimulated when you take in caffeinated products or anything that's a stimulant, and if you keep stimulating them over and over and over again through caffeine and through nicotine or whatever stimulant, then it's like whipping a tired horse. It's like you're trying to go to a bank account that you have no money in, and you keep making withdrawals. There's nothing left to withdraw. Anyway. Going further, let's go back to this. There was a certain man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at the gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, which was where, prior to the Lord Jesus Christ's crucifixion, which is where people that were died as a Bible believer, that's where they went, Abraham's bosom. Okay, now that's a whole other study, but just so you know, that's where they went. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off. See, at that time, Abraham's bosom, which was also known as paradise, was across the way from hell in the center of the earth. And there was a great gulf fixed between them. But when Jesus died, he came and he took captivity captive. He took the captivity of those in Abraham's bosom captive and took them to heaven with him, which is where they are now. Now we have access to heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ in his shed blood, through um, his finished work on the cross. Going further... And in hell he lift up his eyes, the rich man, being in torments and seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus, Lazarus in his bosom. Abraham was there with Lazarus, in other words. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. James 1.11 says, For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth 
the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth, so also shall be the rich man will fade away in his ways. See, this Ben Tankard, he may seem to be blossoming now for a season or whatever. He may seem to be on top of the world. But you know what? He's just a man, and his life may be required of him tonight. Nobody knows, you know, when that time is going to be. The Bible says, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. So it's a, your death is appointed. It's set. There's nothing you can do to change that. It's set. Fixed. Ezekiel 22, 25-26. There is a conspiracy of your prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening the prey. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in the midst thereof. Her priests have violated my law and profaned mine holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane. Reminds me of that video we just watched or heard. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean. They have hid their eyes from my Sabbath, and I am profaned among them. Luke nine fifty seven through 58 says, And it came to pass that as they went in their way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. Well, see, Jesus Christ don't sound like he'd even be welcome in Ben Tankard's world. Well, he's not prosperous. <laughs> He, he's, uh, in Ben Tanger's eyes, he'd be like a bum, you know? He don't want nothing to do with that. I mean, if he was truly blessed of God, Jesus would have been, you know, walking around in, 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 you know, fine robes and having palatial mansions and all this stuff. He's got it all backwards. 2 Corinthians 6, 17, Wherefore come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So I say, if you're in a church like this, you better get out. You better get out. Because that church is going to be judged. And you don't want to be part of it when it gets judged. Uh, last thing, uh, listener writes, Hi, Dr. Johnson. Wanted to write after hearing part two of your sermon this week. Uh, the two Helen back testimony was very moving. And this was probably about four or five weeks ago. But what I found just as moving, if not more, was your response after hearing it. It brought tears to my eyes. I kind of broke down. It was it was awesome. I mean, it was an awesome testimony. Not me breaking down was awesome, but it was it was an awesome testimony. The reason I wanted to write you was to tell you that I partner in a ministry here in the UK that copies and distributes to Helen Back and other non-copywritten testimonies just like that for free. Here's a link to our website. I give you a link there. It will be on the last page. Uh, it's medialightministries.co.uk. Medialightministries.co.uk. I'll also give you the link on the PDF. It'll be on the last page. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Muslim Journey of Hope testimonies. They are wonderful testimonies, but this one is my favorite. And it's, it's Muslims that were actually converted, so praise the Lord. That was from Lisa. So I wanted to give you those resources. And that's what we have for today. It ended up being 22... 22 to 23 page PDF because I added the thing in about the underground tunnel boring machines. Um, I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and time you've given us, Lord. For all your goodness and all your mercy, Lord. I do pray, God, your truth uh, and your word, wherever it's being preached worldwide, Lord God, would be blessed. That you bless the body of Christ. My listeners, Lord God, uh, I pray that you'd forgive us for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form as we forgive those who have sinned against us, that the words of our mouth, 
and the meditations of our heart will be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Lord, I pray you cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Lord God, and uh, conform us to the image of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.